This is exactly right. <laughs> are you leaving or are you on your way back home? Either way, we want to be there. Doesn't matter how much baggage you claim. Give us a time and date. Terminal and gate. We want to send you off in style. We want to welcome you back home. Tell us all about it. Were you scared or was it fine? Welcome to Do You Need a Ride? This is Chris Fairbanks. And this is Karen Kilgariff. Well, here we are, back in the car again, driving a guest <laughs> to the airport. Oh. Yes, right? Our the guest pandemic's today. over. <laughs> Everyone's healed. Uh, we're, of course, not in a car. We will be one day, mm. but uh, we're, we have a guest today. Uh, he's a very funny stand-up comic. He's a writer, director. You can watch, uh, we'll talk more about it, but you can watch his Highwayman series. Uh, if, you're, if you're a fan of The Incredible Hulk or Highway to Heaven, you will fully <laughs> love it. Uh, everyone, put your, put your hands together for Henry Phillips. <laughs> Woo! Hey, thanks, guys. Good to be back on the show. Yeah, yeah. Also, I, I, multiple I, guests on the show, right? At least yeah. once, if not more. I did one with you guys, uh, and then also there was one where I I think you weren't able to make it, Karen, and so I jumped in there, and we was it Matt Kirshen oh, yeah. that we drove around with? Uh, oh, was somebody. wow. Yeah, that you have a good memory. We're talking eight that, years ago or something. That that make, that make reminds me that I, you're my enemy. Oh, shoot. I forgot. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, that was, so much jealousy and yeah, that, competition. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. It's called the Nemesis episode. <laughs> yes, face him in a mask. <laughs> like for all I know, that was a real awkward situation for you guys, and I just bring it up casually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You I just think I, a, I filled you in for you one time. time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for bringing up that three-week-long <laughs> fight that Karen and I had, Henry. No, no. It was oh, uh, the door slamming. <laughs> what, what's weird is, was it eight years ago? I mean, that is possible. That sounds right? possible to me. I mean, when did you guys start? Oh. DY? If I do this, it's like when's our anniversary? I please tell me we haven't done this ten years. That had to be, I think, about just under seven years, seven eight years. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's been a while. Wow, we've been doing this. We've been doing this into the wind for years. No one ever cared in the beginning. It was great. Yeah, we were were We're so free. Yeah, just a tree falling down. Well, hopefully, new people in the last eight years. I'm sorry. Have you been in these last eight years? Uh, you know what? I've been doing pretty well. I'm uh, I'm uh, currently engaged, and uh, to Deborah, you've met Deborah. We all hung out uh, a couple years ago at Tig's place. That's right, and uh, had great. a lot of laughs. And yeah, that was probably toward the beginning. That was like 2015 or something. And um, 
Yeah, we're we're actually going to go to Joshua Tree and have a socially distant ceremony with her friend officiating, and uh, it's going to be very 2020. But <laughs> it's great for me because I'm like, I don't know. I, I I I guess maybe it's because I'm getting older or whatever. But the idea of having a big ceremony with a hundred family members and a hundred other friends—it's just too much. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's uh, for over sure. the top. It's weird to hear. You know, that, uh, have you put out the invitations yet, Henry? Uh, <laughs> let's see. Did you get one? <laughs> well, uh, you know, if it's, you haven't gotten one, then they haven't. Chris, uh, well, that this all... is a COVID wedding. It's a COVID <laughs> wedding. Exactly. And they My know you're a super gonna, spreader. Yeah, they know what you're do, like. Yeah, yeah. The the bit I was doing for a while as I would uh, if I was hanging hanging out with a friend uh, I would say um, yeah uh, by the way we're canceling the wedding they're like oh wait and then and then I'd be like oh wait we, I didn't invite you anyway no that's okay just forget about it yeah <laughs> I got some mileage with that one that was fun but uh, no we haven't sent invitations out yet yes I was I it'll was be totally... a zoom thing we're gonna do a zoom for the friends and family <laughs> Oh, I'd love to get the code for that. Just if you just email me a link, I'll watch you like okay. a weirdo. That is so <laughs> funny, you guys. And it's probably tweet it. it's been happening all year, I bet. Zoom wedding. Getting the code for a Zoom wedding. Oh. Well, you As know if Zoom comedy shows aren't bad enough. My 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 dad did a Zoom funeral. We set him up in front of the computer and I got to say he's ninety two and he doesn't quite know everything that's going on around him or where he is and mm. trying to explain to a fully functional 92-year-old what Zoom is is already difficult. But my dad's basically, he just thought he was watching a movie. And <laughs> yeah. he, at one point, I set him up with this thing. It was his old golf buddy who had passed away. And then, you know, how you can do the, the type of view on Zoom where anybody who's talking at that moment is the one that pops up. That's like the gallery, whatever view. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Speaker view. And uh, my dad just <laughs> says fully out loud, it just, just goes... Uh, Wow, everybody looks so ugly. <laughs> and it was like, but you you guys know, like we all have, since we're all comedians, we have friends like Doug Stanhope, you know, who would always like go out of his way to try to make the most uncomfortable situation. And it would work a lot of times. I, I swear I have never cringed harder than when my dad said, it was so unbelievably uncomfortable. I wanted to turn back time because people were just like, what? Who said that? What? <laughs> It was like it's so like it's the perfect the perfect line because the situation is tragic. Oh, exactly. It's like a tragedy within a tragedy of like you know pandemic. Everything funeral. about it. Everything about it is sad, and it then dark. boom, he yeah. just coming in with the hardcore <laughs> hardcore comedy. Oh, it's, oh man. The, and what I know of your dad, I know him a little bit. That I can see him doing that and it not being mean spirited. It being in a sweet way. Yeah. Like out of He's concern. Concern for everyone's faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I love it so much. <laughs> Organist playing in the background. <laughs> now, your father, correct me if, my wrong, if uh -huh. I'm wrong, but your father was um, like a, a, a recurring character on Cheers. Yeah. Well, right? well he, he did one episode of Cheers. He did a taxi. He, he, he just worked a lot. There, there was a show that he was a regular on called Always Forgiven that was the same people as Cheers. But he oh. uh, but he's been an actor for 
Let's see, I, I guess he was probably about 36 when he started acting. He kind of quit his his other life and became an actor and did summer stock <laughs> and stuff like that. And then he started doing Broadway and then um, he got he landed this part in Taxi. There was an <laughs> episode called On the Job where everybody loses their job or, or yeah, and they, they went and got other jobs and Elaine goes to work for my dad and he just yeah. knocked it out of the park. It All of amazing. these, yeah. most of these yes. roles, including, was that show the one, oh, that's a picture that came yeah, with a frame, yeah. which is the first time <laughs> that joke, I think. Oh was yeah, told. those jokes were that's like the brand new. All in the, what was that show? That was Taxi, yeah. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, you can see it on YouTube. His name's yeah. Bill Wiley, and um, but yeah, he knocked it out of the park. He uh, well, he, Ed, he, Henry made him a demo reel, and it's on there, right? Isn't yeah, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. Made that, a demo reel. For oh, yeah, so you can see everything he's done. Yeah, oh, was it that on Cheers? He it was within the episode. He kept showing up. He was the tour guy. Yeah, yeah, Is that right? exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I, uh, in my mind, that turned into he was on the whole season. Oh, you know, yeah. The, the, it's so funny. The slightly tragic story. Uh, but I, I've, I've determined that it's probably not too tragic. But uh, my dad and I remember he was in the running to be the coach on Cheers. And during that period of time, he got a call uh, for the sequel to the movie Porky's. To play basically the villain. <laughs> Porky's too. And, uh, mm -hmm. and he took it because it was like, well, do I do this pilot that may, I may or may not even have the part, but it looked pretty good, especially in retrospect. And then maybe the show won't go or whatever, or do I, you know, do a whole uh, yeah, Porky's length is movie? A, it's yeah. a sure thing. So he did that, and uh, and then we just watched Cheers turn into the biggest, mo most iconic <laughs> TV show in history. But uh, but my dad remained friends with uh, with that whole crew, and um, yeah, but Cheers was a great show. Yeah. But Porky's taught the world about glory holes. <laughs> that's right. I didn't know about them as yeah. an eleven year old, and that's how I learned. Yeah, Bill was part of that teaching. Yeah, yeah. He was also. Uh, I don't. No offense, to your dad, but I honestly don't think anybody but Nicholas Colstano. I hope that's how you say his name, but the guy that played coach. Oh that yeah, act, it was so perfect. Oh, I think we talked great. about this eight yeah. years ago so when you were on. But he had Cheers that was like our favorite show, and he was so. He was just so natural. He and had that spacey thing that I love, you know, like, yes. it, and, and Woody had it when he got on there and, yeah. but it, it was such a perfect sitcom uh, type, you know, and uh, yeah, my dad wasn't quite that. My dad was a little bit more of a, uh, like a loud, uh, <laughs> maybe a little bit more like a Greg Proops type guy. Like he would always have the suit and very, but like a flawed uh, guy in a suit sort of thing. If that makes sense. It was a very a different classic. type of a character. Yeah. I'm going to turn the yeah. phone thing off. If I'm not mistaken though, in, in the Cheers character that he did do, kept going back to the bar, giving tours. Yeah. Pretending Paul Revere had been there or something. Just so he could drink on the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was he was a tour guide who was who was giving tours of Boston to tourists, but he kept on saying that the bar was various things, and then he would have them look around and then go do a shot at the bar. <laughs> yeah, that would funny. you would never see Last so many fun-loving alcoholics on a TV show now. Like you just don't take that as lightly. Um, 
as no. you did back then. The roaring. I, I blame 80s. mothers against drunk driving. Yeah, I think they they're really, very mad. They shut were, down. Were they, were they? Were they really upset of, at Cheers? I wouldn't be <laughs> no, surprised. No, no. That seems like one of those. I thought it would be funny to blame an organization <laughs> you're trying to save people. Yeah, from. like back yeah. then when that organization started, drunk driving was not illegal. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it, was, it was okay. That I could see that being a very '80s beef, though the mothers against drunk driving and the and yeah. cheers. Uh, I I watched a uh, a Mormon guy speak, and I, generally I I don't have any beef with Mormons. I have some friends that are Mormons, and uh, they. Uh, but this this guy had a problem with the entertainment industry, and I remember him saying uh, that he felt like the the fact that they had a TV show about people drinking was the beginning of the end of all civilization. Oh wow! And well, uh, he was right. Look at look where we are. Yeah, he was right. And, and, and I found <laughs> out later that he had been a child actor. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, oh, oh, it was it was he was. But he it's had, like yeah, he was jealous. Yeah, I and, think that was like I'm bitter too, but yeah. like that's a real yeah. Big I'm step upset. To take. Hey, yeah. We're all bitter. Yeah. <laughs> My four wives agree. Yeah, like my dad, my dad probably could have come out and said, "Yeah, Cheers is the end of all civilization," just because he could have been on it and he wasn't on it. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it's wonderful. It's so good. I uh, so wait. Have you, you, I was just going to ask. Will oh, you sorry. talk about? Will you talk about your the show that you're that you just made? That's yes. it's <laughs> like Highway to Heaven and yeah, whatever so, the other um, one was. There's one full episode on YouTube. Generally, they're on Patreon, Patreon slash Highwayman Show. And uh, it's uh, Deborah and I both came up with the idea, my fiance. And um, she, so it's kind of Highway to Heaven. And it's also kind of uh, this show from Canada called The Littlest Hobo, which is about a dog <laughs> that goes from one person to another. And it's like every show is the same. You know, it's like from back then, it's like they would just sort of show up to this area and change everybody's lives and then move on to the next place. And The Incredible Hulk was sort of like that, too. <laughs> so, yeah, I have a ridiculously long origin story about the highwayman who was just a regular guy who was helping his friend move and he severely injured his back. And it, Yeah, it, due to a freak accident. Yeah, he, 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 he was no no longer able to help anybody with anything and uh <laughs> and so he had to go traveling around the highways and he and he's just the kind of guy that goes around and um we'll see somebody stranded with their car well okay the whole thing started from one time when i i my my car died when i was in fresno and just like the middle of the summer he it was just a nightmare i was in the middle of nowhere and you know i'm one of those like long uh sort of highway drives that was just off the beaten path. And uh, so this guy came up and he's kind of a long haired guy. And I'm just like going, all right, maybe this guy knows something about cars or whatever. And uh, he came up and uh, he, he asked me something like if I, I wanted some kittens or something like that. He had kittens in his... <laughs> <laughs> but it, either way, the reason he was coming up had okay. nothing to do with helping me whatsoever. And when that was resolved, <laughs> he just went back to his car. And I was like going, man, I 
I've never met a more worthless person ever. So I thought, <laughs> but he kind of looked like he was going to be a guy that was going to be able to help out. So that's that's what the highwayman. Yeah, is. that like was he, the scene he I saw. He doesn't know anything about cars. He can't really help. His cell phone yeah. never works. He he'd like to help you, but he can't really bend because he's got this yeah, bad back. He's living situation. on disability. That's an important yeah. part of his character. Is he's roaming the world with not a care because he has <laughs> yeah. disability from his back. Yeah, um, and he he can't really give you a ride because his car's all full of junk and uh, <laughs> so he's just a completely worthless guy but he goes around and uh, but in some episodes he sort of winds up helping people in a way that you don't expect and and then in some episode he has a jetpack for no reason <laughs> yeah it's a very oh yeah spoiler alert we incorporated a subplot that uh, he finds a it's like, <laughs> and he just takes it across the street <laughs> uh, yeah, I love he, it he has a um, he finds a box that says USA top secret on it and he opens it up and it's a jetpack and so he uses it to help somebody with their car yeah <laughs> but uh it is the best we, we, yeah now fun. yeah and you'll love all all the faces in it there's so many funny people in it i'm i'm very excited about it because now i'm gonna watch all of them well can you name a, a couple of the people that are in it uh well let's see uh well, Demorge, you guys know Demorge. He yeah. just did yeah, he uh, an episode. He's that was an amazing great. actor. Yeah. Um, boy, I'm, I, I a lot of friends of Patrick Keynes in oh, it. Oh yeah, who's been on the Keen podcast. Great. A bunch. Um, there's in the beginning. Oh, Francisco Ramos is fantastic, and he. So we we started it right in the middle of COVID, mm. and it was like everybody was pretty terrified because we're like, how are we going to do this? And so the first episode. Francisco Ramos, if if you don't know him, you should. He's a very funny guy. And uh, so we organized this whole scene where we were both looking straight on so that we're not talking to each other because we're afraid of like, because we can't have masks while we're in there, but we were far enough away. And the, the crew is literally just myself, Deborah, and uh, our friend Carlos who's got a camera. And uh, so we, um, so Francisco has... Uh, his girlfriend, Brooke, and it was like, all right, well, there, <laughs> I never even asked if she was an actor or not, but she, she turns out to be great. And I think she, she okay. was, but we were more interested in like, well, can you do a, a scene close to Francisco? Because since they're a pod, they can, you know, so <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, yeah. <laughs> that was all the decision-making that was going into this thing. And, um, well, that's how yeah. uh, soap operas are now. They'll like have a body double come in for actual makeout scenes, and all of a sudden the arms will be hairy because it's that actress's real life husband. Oh. <laughs> and all the interaction, they are clearly across the room from each other. And you can tell by the eye line when someone is looking 20 feet away, even if they shoot it to make it look. I laugh. <laughs> and they're still shooting soap operas like that. It's the only reason I've been Have watching to. soaps. They're the only thing keeping America going right now. Me alive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's so <laughs> smart. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So here's a question yeah. about soap operas. Like, mm. we know that TV eventually, like, starting with shows like Lost and maybe, you know, all TV since then, like, it seems like they've kind of borrowed that formula of the cliffhanger and keeping stories being serialized as opposed to, like... Yeah, you can't the, just jump in. Highway I'm, to Heaven would be like you're you start and then you're done and that's the end of the show. Now they all just keep going. But now that we have those in like good TV like Breaking Bad and Mad Men and all that, 
Why watch a soap opera then is what I'm <laughs> right. saying. Like, why be a they have extremely good quality shows that are doing the same thing. I've tried to ask because my dad watches Days of Our Lives now, I believe it is, or One Life to Live, one of the classics. And I, I don't want to offend him and his wife by asking why suddenly this thing we've made fun of our whole lives <laughs> why he records it and watches it every episode i can answer that okay because as a person when i was like i think it was like the summer of like sixth or seventh grade me and my mom started watching um ugh, which one was it uh, it was young julianne moore was on it young and the rest wow. of <laughs> What'd you say? Young and the Restless. You just said young, and so I, I'm sorry. I <laughs> oh. guessed too no, early. Oh, good, uh, close, but no, it was it, it was one of the other ones, but it was really good, and normally I thought it was so boring, but the second my mom and I would both watch it, and then at like at a scene when they would just like be staring at each other, and then it would go to commercial, yeah. and they'd be like, oh my God, I thought she liked him, but I guess she doesn't <laughs> like him, and it was like this weird, they seemed real after a while, so it was like this family that was super fucked up, and people were cheating and doing all crazy shit and it was like you were checking in on like things to gossip about or something it was really it, it, it like pulled you in in the dumbest way but then kind of kept you because it was like well they're you know they're down at the docks and the last we saw you know blah 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 was happening and of course that doesn't actually happen or you know everything yeah. is the cliffhanger and the kind of like bait and switch but yeah I think I they're kind of written to be addictive and they've been going on forever yeah like they match the formula i guess i guess they're just they're still better at it than than even those great shows because like there's just it, the frequency of those callbacks is like one minute per episode whereas in breaking bad it's like every other episode has something that you need to have watched previous episodes for but yeah maybe. they just are like doling out crack you know like in these, <laughs> in these soap operas they're just constantly giving you things that you have to yeah well I mean let's face it, it, it how many times have we been at like a diner or something if, if, by ourselves and then we hear the people talking behind us it doesn't have to I be interesting yeah because of the, the quarantine I eavesdropping was my passion <laughs> I would listen to fucking anybody talk about anything oh, oh yeah it's my favorite and it's like there's none of it anymore. Yeah, and it's, it's so not, sad. Yeah, but it's it's engaging to us to just get into somebody's life. You know, it's really weird. Yeah, but, yeah I used no, to go that too. to the mall just to stare at people. Now what? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Those are the two <laughs> things. Here, eavesdropping on somebody's conversation at a diner, and then after they leave, having a little bite of whatever they were eating. Those are the two <laughs> things. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's this chicken salad? <laughs> Can I? I think I've told you this, Chris, but one time, me and I think it was Lizzie Cooperman were at um, the Astro, and. I was going in on whoever, per whatever person that we were gossiping about, we were gossiping. And uh, I would say about 15 minutes later, we've got our food and we're kind of eating. And then the two girls that were sitting in the booth behind us got up and one was like, I just want to tell you that I'm a big fan of your podcast. So I was like, what? Uh -oh. <laughs> like Within earshot, she heard me just being like, and eh, fuck man, because that's oh, that. And then I just suddenly wow. got this sense of like, oh, no, I can't. I can't like. Publicly oh. gossip anymore. Oh, There's man. a chance thank, someone will go. Thank, oh, I like your podcast. Oh yeah. Thank God she didn't say I'm a big fan of the person you're talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would have been the ultimate terrible thing. Yeah. No, that's yeah. I I had that uh, at the airport. 
There was a little period of time because I had the one kitchen video that just went, you know. Oh, up, yeah. Uh, Henry's like more Kitchen. More than a million the best. Uh, the best. views. And, but I would get recognized at airports because that's the one place where like you get a just a smattering of every type of demographic, you know. And I yeah. was literally, as much as I do anyway, I was getting really pissy with the, the gate <laughs> agent. Just like, you know. <laughs> but it's like... You know, I have three hours to wait. Why are you going to charge me to get on the earlier plane? There's empty seats. I've been a customer for whatever. And then there's some guy staring at me and he's literally like, just when you're done, man, uh, you're all good now. But like afterward, <laughs> hey, can we get a picture? Because uh, we're oh, a fan no. of the, uh, and I'm just like, oh. When you're done screaming at her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you're done screaming. Uh, yeah. It's so <laughs> awkward. And then, and then you just have to turn into a real nice person. And yeah. At LAX, yes. I saw the sweet man that plays uh, the dad on Rushmore. Um, he just passed away, but he's an actor, a character actor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Seymour Cassell. Oh, you know his name. How do you yeah. do it? Uh, I he's saw- a classic. He's a he's an old school classic. And I was just talking to somebody about okay, him. OK, OK. Yeah. I just saw him. Someone rented one of those luggage carts and didn't put it back into the track. They just left it near the other carts. And he was screaming at them and calling them lazy. <laughs> he's like, Is it that much harder to put it into the track? That's a problem with the world today. And I'm like, you were such a sweet dad on Rushmore. That's oh, so funny. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't say, "Hey, I know who you are," by the way, because I probably would have heard him. Hey, Krabby. Hey, Krabby man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he... that's, that's what I feel like. That girl, the girl of the Astro, should have been like, "Hey, bitch, I'm a big fan." Of your yeah, because <laughs> yeah. we were just bitching, just sh- bitching yeah. privately. Oh man, I, yeah. Oh, we were just talking about that word, but it's kind of a subject change. What's it's, that? Your your friend That's that okay. helped you made punching the clown. Oh yeah, it's it's one of the best. Uh, His use of the word bitch, which I, is a word I don't like to well, use. Well, I never let, have. Let me go back though. So so Greg, <laughs> he's the guy that uh, is the director and co writer of the movies that we've made. Punching the clown was the first one. Yeah, we met in college at UCLA. And oh, I, 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 congratulations! Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it? We were. You, uh, you did your we're homework. You political did your science stuff. majors, and uh, so. Oh wow! Wow, Paul Poli <laughs> Sci. Wow, Chris, don't get jealous. Hey, yeah. art is a legitimate major. <laughs> <laughs> so you would have like a thousand people in every class, except for the way that they sort of got that intimate teaching experiences. They would also have little discussion groups where there'd be like maybe ten people and one teacher's assistant, and so that's where I met Greg and. Greg is a French national. He was born and raised in France and went to Paris University. He is French, as as French as you can be, except <laughs> that his mother is American. Yeah, I've met him and he has zero accent. So, so when he grew up learning English because of his mother, he speaks English with an ec- accent that n- none of us would ever know that he was from a foreign country. So, if... If somebody from a foreign country says something that's the wrong word, then then we correct them or it's like it's obvious why they did it. But with Greg, you have no idea why this person just said that. So this is a great example. Like, I guess that at one point he must have asked his mom what the word bitch meant. <laughs> and uh, and she said, putain. Which is a generally derogatory term for for a woman. It actually is more like 
a prostitute it's like yeah it's like saying a whore so she just kind of like said well that's the same general gist but he took it literally to mean like oh a bitch is someone who is a prostitute a woman of the evening yeah yeah he thought a prostitute was bitch and that they were equivalent so cut to you know we're in this discussion group at ucla and this um having a discussion about you know about uh international politics or whatever and municipal <laughs> politics and at one point greg raises his hand and he's like you know it's kind of interesting because in Paris right now they're having a problem with bitches where <laughs> like they'll be you know I mean tourism is a major part of of Paris and the economy and everything so you'll get American tourists that are trying to eat and they'll get harassed by like French bitches will go up to them and, <laughs> and start the talking just like what what's the word you're saying <laughs> she's right like there? what she couldn't believe her ears like what are you saying and then he's like um bitches you know bitches <laughs> and then it, like he would double down on it, you know? and she's just like what are you talking about like what what do you mean and uh it was awkward and then uh i didn't know that he was from france but i was like this guy's cool yeah he has no <laughs> accent <laughs> this guy rules this he doesn't guy's give a fuck really weird and then another time yeah. they they had a party or something and henry i've heard this story that's why i'm telling it he said <laughs> henry came over he said hey uh do you want anything to eat we have leftover pee if you want to uh <laughs> yeah he's like he pee? was trying to say pie but he <laughs> pronounced it pee yeah in we, a normal we have way. some pee i'm like no <laughs> i don't drink pee no <laughs> but it's leftover i'll try like it. the idea that he's doing it all with a perfect American oh accent. yeah, that's the it best makes part it of it. Sound like he's an asshole fucking with people. <laughs> and they're going, I'm French. Sorry, I'm French. And I yeah, was, yeah. It's it's, like, I'm uh, French. Sorry, I thought bitches were whores. Where it's like, guess what, dude? Yeah. All of this doesn't work. Yeah. Like, fuck yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. such a no. I'm completely French. It's, but yeah, he, he's, he is the <laughs> sorry, nicest, I'm French. He's so friendly that his personality it would confuse everyone because there's the, the, it the, just comes out of it just like comes out of left field. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's great. Is it yeah. right field? ice cream? Right field Anyone? or left field? <laughs> uh, it comes out of center field, which actually you'd, you'd think That's you'd work. expect, but any... Any fly ball is hard to catch, honestly. If We're the talking... sun's in your eyes, center field, you're <laughs> yeah, screwed. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Look at me, I can be one. That's a John <laughs> Fogarty song. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey. Uh, since we last talked, we have a new uh, president-elect. That's right. I didn't get the chance to dance in the streets with you. <laughs> oh, I loved the video you sent me, though. Chris, on the day, le apparently left his apartment, went down. He heard the children in the, in the streets and sent me a video of everybody on Sil on Sunset Boulevard dancing to Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. And they were, uh, and it was so fucking cool looking. I thought great. That the news was going to use that video. I captured <laughs> such a joyous moment because everyone was jumping and singing together. And I swear, I was just walking the grocery stores around the corner. I walked through at like 10 in the morning when the news was first solidified. And there was 20 people, I guess. But I was like, oh, cool. They're dancing outside a barbershop. And then my buddy Jim texted and said, oh, my God, you have to see the street. And it was people dancing on city buses yeah. and the entire street. And there was no police there. It was just happy people. So even the bus driver was like, all right, yeah, me too. I'm happy, but I got to take these people that aren't on unemployment to work right now. But it was so great. And everyone had a mask on, even though everyone yes, was they saying did. I was at a super spreader event or something. It was just a beautiful 
Maybe not the safest, but it was so... Well, you know what? That's great. What, to me, it, because it was like the, the thing where those are all the people that probably have been very careful. Most of those people, if if they were wearing a mask in the street, you yes. know, they were probably conscientious. Uh, yes, but, I didn't recognize any of them. Right, exactly. And but we, But we've all been stuck, you know, in our houses and alone or just with one other person for so long. And then on top of that, it's like... The fucking wicked witch is dead. I mean, that's, yeah. there's people who are dancing because they it might keep them alive that he is no like that he's gone. Yeah, and it's it was just such. Yeah, true, people have. Uh, I feel like a lot of the a lot of average Americans like myself haven't felt that level of like we're we're so close to elation. Yeah, it's just so scary. It's been so consistently scary for years and years, and then just getting worse and worse and worse. Oh yeah, I don't know. It just beyond. Yeah, I I was afraid people wouldn't celebrate right, because right. everyone's so down in the dumps. I didn't expect it. Yeah. Or I expect doubt, you know, well, let's wait till the next few days. All these mail-in ballots come in. No, they were ready right then. And I, yeah. if someone showed me video footage of me kind of hiding in a door, well, <laughs> just watching people dance <laughs> and like crying at the side of it. You would think I uh, would enjoy music festivals more or something. Well, that, that, that was, was my favorite part. There's definitely dudes <clears throat> in the street who are like, I have to dance because this is a momentous occasion, but I am not comfortable. Yeah. So everyone around them is and, or whatever. <laughs> and then there's some dudes that are just kind of like, yeah. it's only 2 p.m. So I, yeah, I don't yeah. have enough to drink to make this yeah. work. Yeah. I can't be not self-conscious. <laughs> I never would have done it. Just I would not sober have dancing it. that if they were drinking would turn into Elaine Bennis Seinfeld dancing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Erratic arm gestures. But uh, plus still, as being that type that demographic of person it's like i knowing now that there's cameras everywhere that you can be the next viral guy that everybody's making yes. fun of with your dancing it's like ah forget it yeah yeah the next um, viral terrible dancer celebrating yeah. <laughs> i uh i have no problem with that kind of thing if it's if since i'm a comedian if it's, it's something that i'm doing but actually one of my worst fears is that i'm doing something unintentionally funny and then it goes viral yeah yeah that <laughs> and punching the clown the second one yeah he, a cigarette someone gives him a cigarette and it, it starts burning his hair and he does this weird yeah. erratic movement and falls off stage and that's what goes viral and makes the record <laughs> company interested in his work because there's all these hits on this video and they just want him to do yeah <laughs> or i'm maybe not doing it no justice. that's exactly Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so funny. J.K. Simmons is in that, by the way. Oh, shit. Um, from Missoula, Montana. <laughs> um, so now we have a former president that will... It's kind of like when, like, if someone graduates from college or they don't graduate and pretend that they did at top of the class and they won't leave their parents' house <laughs> and they just start putting up posters and listening to Pink Floyd... And the parents, it's, he's not, I feel like they're just going to have to let him ha rent a room there because he's not going to leave. Or he's going to, around Thanksgiving, go down to Mar-a-Lago in Florida and never come back. Because yeah. he is, we are watching... Uh, a toxic uh, malignant narcissist, I believe is like the clinical term. Yeah. Who cannot, yeah. they can't, uh, they can't 
admit fault. They can't take responsibility. They can't, nothing can ever go against them. And it's like the, the angry drunk dad at the pizza parlor who's like embarrassing his little league son and then decides, um, and I'm now I'm going to oh, sit here. You know what I mean? Like, we're yeah, just yeah. like, how, do, how does this end with a person who behaves like this and cannot <laughs> egos, their ego is so out of control and they're so out of control that yeah. like what do you do and i think joe biden's doing the perfect thing which is he's fucking ignoring him yeah, like, yeah he's that's just, what you need to he's do. just doing the work well yeah. and also yeah like i was thinking what if everybody in america well at least half of america anyway just contributed to a fund to pay him to leave like we'll give you millions <laughs> of dollars just get leave. out of here we'll right. pay off that massive amount of debt that yeah he'll take it the would money. be worth it for us he'll take the money yeah. yeah yeah like i will just pay you out of my own pocket to just never but ever then, see you again it turns out that the money in the briefcase, because we're going to put in a briefcase, we're going to put it out, <laughs> out in the front door, so he's actually out of the building. Yeah. That money is paper money. It's Ooh. not real. And then yes. he, we get him out, but then it's like, fuck you, we don't have to pay and you, you like, bullshit scammer. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Ha ha. Well, it's, it's little squares of cheesecloth, sucker. <laughs> you you know, maybe I'll make that a highwayman with your permission. Yeah. That's a great <laughs> Absolutely, idea. Absolutely, but I was like EP credit <laughs> on that episode. For sure. That is my, <laughs> it is my favorite thing when someone throws a fit and they sit and they make themselves stay there or better, they throw a fit and leave and then have to come back in. Come back. Because uh, they, one time before he had his infamous set where he said terrible things, Michael Richards, Kramer from Seinfeld, was at the improv. This was like a week before that happened. And he was screaming at Ben Gleaver. Oh, I remember was, that. Oh, he was God. like, you're not even on the level, man. That he, was so uncomfortable. He was so angry. And he left. He slammed the door. And then he came back in. He's like, I left my cell phone somewhere. Can we all, uh, can the staff, yeah. like, and they had to, let's all get together and help you look for <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. And they found his phone and then he got mad and yelled again and left again. It was the best. Wait, who I'm was like, Ben Glebe on stage? Or uh, was I'll it explain. Like, so Ben yeah. Glebe used to run this college humor. Remember that show? It was like called College Humor or whatever. And it was just a big, I, if I'm not, yeah, yeah, the no, shows, it is. But, it is. So Ben was like a 26 year old guy or whatever who, was running this show and um i guess that uh when ben glebe made the flyers he said seinfeld's uh kramer for and apparently somebody had was supposed to have told ben that you can't say that you just say michael richards <laughs> yeah, you can't supposed- say seinfeld because i don't know he just had a hang up about it he's but- only proud of his role in uhf so so <laughs> even let's say in this scenario let's just say that ben glebe is completely guilty of whatever he was being accused of <laughs> it's a 26 year old guy being yelled at by a 50 year old what multi-millionaire he was, he was poking his finger yeah. in his chest it's just not a good look like yeah. how could no. something have gone that wrong in your life because of whatever this 26 year old guy did so yeah he, he had issues for yeah. sure well and and in retrospect clearly he was 
he was yelling because he wasn't supposed to be on the flyer. But really what was going on is he should not have been doing stand-up comedy. Right. And once he got there, he knew it. Right. And the pressure began to build. So now there's all these people because you're so funny on Seinfeld because writers write for you and it's a physical thing. Oh, you're right. But he clearly from that fucking set at the Laugh Factory, he didn't have an act. He thought he was going to just go up and just be able to kind of just be adored. And yeah. he probably got in there and, and you were on stage and there's people who uh, it's happened to me many times where you're standing in the back and you're like oh fuck my stuff isn't good enough for this and you have you're you fold internally and you give up and you're bum out but he like he didn't even have a thing to rely on that's why it got so bad at the other crazy set where he just yeah yeah i'll even give him the credit of thinking oh i'm gonna be able to work out anonymously work out some material and damn it there's all these adoring fans i didn't want that now i'm mad yeah exactly like that's a worst case yeah i i I don't think i have that in me i i've always i've I've always lash out no i no (laughs) i mean (laughs) i've always stuck out the time but like when a set's going really really bad like I've always stuck it out and I've stuck through some really awful ones. I go into a mode kind of like what you're talking about with Biden. I just ignore them and I just do my act as if it's a speech that I'm doing and, <laughs> you know, and, but, but I, I can't, I've never been somebody to think that I'm the one who's right and they're wrong. I've seen what yeah. you do. One time we, oh, yeah, we, yeah, were yeah, in Little, we were in Little Rock and the audience was <laughs> terrible and they, they just, someone was heckled i can't remember what with and then henry i was just, having a terrible set and henry terrible. just kind of got bummed out and he's like well you know as a comic you just want to kind of make people happy and i guess tonight i'm not quite doing my job but uh i hope uh your guys's night ends up well and and they were all like oh no and then they all turned on that lady oh yeah because this lady who was heckling me and oh yeah that's right she said something particular like you know, get off or you suck or whatever. And then that's when I was like, you know, you're probably not even wrong. It's like, I, I just, I'm terrible. And maybe this didn't, maybe this was a bad idea. My but calling afterward, Yeah. Everybody turned on that lady. And afterward I'm at the lobby and like some, some cowboy guy comes up to me and he's like, Hey man, give me two of those CDs and don't, man, don't pay no mind to that lady. She's crazy. <laughs> you know? And I'm just selling them. It was like the end of a, uh, you know, one of those, uh, Charlie Brown episode. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you emotionally manipulated them. Yeah, into no, absolutely. You. And then Perfect. I go to the next town and do the same thing. You know, I get people to feel sorry for me. Oh man, the, the that's best, a good thing to fold into the highway, man. <laughs> the best Pain. thing that happened though is one time I was on the road and I had a really, really awful set, and people were walking by while I was trying to sell my merchandise, and it's just excruciating. <laughs> I hate that I ever had to go through this situation, but. <laughs> This one guy came up to me and he looked like Sam Elliott. And he goes, uh, you know something? I think what you're doing is really good. And whether there's people that understand it or not, don't don't listen to them. You keep doing what you're doing because it's good. It's special. And I think people eventually are going to know about that. All right. And I'm like, wow, thanks. I felt like so good. And then he said something like... Uh, that one about uh, don't look now because mama's got her boobs out. 
And I was like, wait, that wasn't me. That was the guy. That was the other guy before me. And then I realized he was giving this whole awesome speech to somebody that he thought was the other guy. Yeah, yeah. He just oh, me. you. Oh, no, you suck. Sorry. I'm, I'm trying to find the guy who's yeah, boobs yeah. out. So. I forgot. No, it was your it was your face that I thought was okay. That's but it, right. it was the other guy's material that I enjoyed. Also in Little Rock, not to be... Sto- well, stories are great. Henry, it's the best. Henry Let's lost talk his- about the times we ate it the most. Yeah. Oh, God. I got so many. He, I got so many. Way that, too many. That same funny bone in Little Rock. He he met we we went into a sandwich place and he made, you left your guitar in there or Oh yeah. That he, was awful. he thought he'd lost his guitar and Ugh. someone brought in a guitar for him to borrow. And it, it was, do you want to take it over from here? I don't think I remember. <laughs> he was okay. <laughs> and uh and then and so he had to borrow this guitar and they made a big deal about it. And then at the end of the show, he opened his trunk and the guitar was in the trunk. He just forgot. Oh, yeah. And it was like, the. I guess we were drinking back then. There was a lot of drinking. <laughs> yeah. When you're yeah. in a town like that, you uh, enjoy the local spirits. Well, it's how you get to you know the to. people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> get to a point where you're allowing the people to yeah. get to know you. Yes. And yeah. um, wow, that got quiet. This is just putting me in the mind of all the times I, d- I did this agent that booked me on all these college gigs. And I probably had 20 minutes of LA comedy, which means in the real world, you have seven minutes of actual <laughs> yeah. relatable comedy that anyone would give half a shit about. Yep. And I was on this tour where I was supposed to be doing an hour. Oh. And so before every show, I would just be sitting in my room writing out like what the actual chunks I could be doing were and then places I could possibly go to yeah. just, tr- how am I going to do this? To and then I'd be the like, time. and I'll do crowd work or this or that. But it's like, I was barely a good enough comic to do 15 minutes, much less to work the crowd here and work the crowd. <laughs> and it was so stressful. But by the end of the tour, so it started awful. And there was a couple shows where like, I owe people money <laughs> because of how, I mean, it was disastrous. I, I actually, at one point, I remember being in this little, tiny it almost looked like a it was like a side theater and everything was carpeted inside it but it was kind of like a diamond shape so the stage was this triangle that i was standing on and there was probably 25 seats in this room and i i tried to talk slow and i tried to work the room but it was dry as a bone in there and then i just started going does anybody have any questions about hollywood (laughs) 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 that i didn't have like bits to answer i was just trying to kill time oh yeah I, i mean when it's bad it is the worst fucking oh, experience. Yeah. No, and I did those college and you really want them to go to well because the the amount of money that you're getting is way disproportional to what yes. it's like but yeah, they were it, they were brutal. I stopped I I did like a I did 10 of them in as many days and I bought I came back to LA and bought a car. <laughs> and I told them I never ever want to do another one of those again. Like I felt dirty. I felt like I wanted to quit. I was just like I got my car. It was just like, you know, just... It was so hard. Yeah, it, it was really, really... Yeah, it was soul-drenching. Yeah, yeah even awful. that I don't miss. I, of course, miss doing stand-up, but a lot of people are posting their their acts from before this all was happening just to keep their uh, Instagram active or whatever. And some of my favorite comics are in front of audiences that still... It'll be a club that I like, and they're heckling, they're drunk... They aren't listening and they're having to deal with crowd work that was flung upon them. I don't miss that at all. It's at the all. Worst. You yeah, would think awful. 
the 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 absence would make my heart fond for it. But no, <laughs> no, not at all. But, oh, well, because the, the bad times are the worst. So it's like the good t- for me and the way I'm set up, the good times are like, even if they're amazing, I just immediately dismiss them as like, nah, fine, good. I got what I wanted. But yeah. the bad time, I can walk you through like the time I had to follow Darren Carter, who used to be called Darren Carter, Carter party, party starter. starter. Sure. And he, <laughs> closed, actually, yeah. he closed with that uncanny impression of Bart Simpson on a skateboard where he turned his head <laughs> and looked exactly like the cartoon. And that was his closer with music under. I, the I would audience. not want to follow Darren. <laughs> I was no, never. He yeah. was a he was a dyed in the wool club comic who talked about super relatable stuff. Yeah. And like I grew up in this kind of neighborhood yeah. and I here's what I'm like. He was he was like by the book. Yeah. And I was standing over on the side with my I, like my personal observations about myself where I was like I'm fucked I'm fucked this will not go well personal no. observations about myself is a great yeah. way to describe <laughs> just, the comedy I've been trying to do my whole career and I just, just me, realized me, me. I just realized I've been wrong <laughs> when I did um, my half hour special this is uh, I guess 2004 or something like that Dan Natterman was the guy who did his before and he is a monster of a comedian i mean he is just amazing so funny fast relatable like perfect economy of words everything and i had to go after him and i just remember thinking this irony it's like every laugh that he got like hurt me because i was like (laughs) i have to go and try to compete with that because they're all in that mode and i don't have what he has i'm going to be pulling it into a whole other place and as it turns out, my <laughs> half hour special wasn't that good. I laughed because it, it sounded like that was going to be one of those things. As it turned out, it went fine. But no, it was terrible. But, uh, <laughs> oh, wait, where's that? There's no happy ending? But, but I just remember the irony of going like, there's so many happy people and I'm so upset right now. It's like, this is so bad. Like, yeah. Yeah. That was a tough well, one. That's the thing. It's the comparison, right? That's fucks everybody up. But it, it, it took me so long to learn that all you have to do is have the confidence to know that they don't expect everyone to be the exactly. same. Yeah. You're just there doing your thing. And that's like, I had to learn that after years of watching people like Patrick Keene. I watched him do this at one time and he had to follow. Someone did a drop in someone famous, like fucking David Spade did a drop in yeah. came just fucking. It was he wall to wall destruction. This oh, There yeah, was yeah. no one yeah. left alive. And then here comes Patrick Keene. And I was just like, my heart was breaking for him. Yeah. And he just went and brought it just all right fucking back. It was masterful. Yeah, the, uh, and it was him talking slowly, yeah. just talking calmly, doing his jokes, playing the reality of the room. Whereas if it were me, I'd be like, um, hi guys. Anyway. The quiver in the voice. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I'd have. Yeah. No, Patrick, Patrick, well, we back in the the bitter redhead. I I've seen Patrick and and I mean I've seen him go up for ten minutes with not one person laughing and not even a little bit shaken by it. He, right. he doesn't speed up his act. He just kind of still looks at the wall and he's yeah, like, yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, I moved out uh, when I was seven. My parents moved <laughs> out with me, you know, and uh, like he he'll just keep doing that same delivery. And it doesn't, and I, I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. His stand-up I, I lends, it, do it. lends itself to that. If you're self-deprecating and it, and you're playing a, some sort of an unaware loser on stage, you can 
it's the best. It's the best. I wish I did what he did. Yeah, and that skill. Chris, you seem like an unaware loser. I thank you. I mean, I was sort of fishing for that. And I honestly, I don't have to worry. Now that Do You Need a Ride fans come to shows, I don't have to. I haven't experienced what I'm talking about for a couple of years. I'm lucky. Before we get too far ahead, I want to go back because out of context, it sounded awful when I said I saw Patrick do 15 minutes with nobody left. No, but I've seen that. It's pretty important for people. It's too late. Outside of the business to know that he's incredibly <laughs> funny. I'm just saying that happens to everybody. The amazing yes. part was that he had the skill to keep going. Anyway. Yeah. Well, because so- <laughs> they do like, and this is, you know, so inside baseball, but so often, especially throughout the 90s, they couldn't stop putting comedy shows in places where no one oh, wanted a comedy God, show. So hard enough to do a stand-up set in at the improv oh, or totally. at, God forbid, the Laugh Factory or somewhere like that. But suddenly now you're at Farfalla on Hillhurst. Oh, and there's people yeah. trying to eat a nice meal and who have paid good money. And all of a sudden you're up there like, well, anyway, am I Irish? <laughs> whatever, where it's like, Shh, get out. Like, I, mean, I would always get fault. so self-conscious yeah. for the people. Oh. It's like, no one wants this. Yeah, yeah. It's not I, good. I met Karen at Lucy's laundromat. We were doing <laughs> yeah. a show to people putting, separating their whites like it was absolutely with a bathroom behind you. It was the yeah, most. You, you did your set in front of a bathroom. Unlikely place to do comedy for good reason. Well, that's where that this great line from Charlie Shannon, who's no longer with us, but he was an Austin oh, comic. Yeah. But somebody told me this story, one of the Austin comics, I assume, but about how he he finally realized he was done with Austin when he was opening or no following a mother and daughter comedy team (laughs) and he was like yeah this is just too ridiculous and he went out to la and was just hustling and trying to get whatever he gigs he could and he finally landed the laundromat gig and the night he was there, it was literally the mother and daughter team, and he had to go after him. And he's no, on stage, and the he's same? like, "Yeah, oh god." He's like, "So, so now I'm, I'm still following the mother and daughter comedy team, but this time I'm doing it in a laundromat." Like that yeah, was a very worst. downward move. To his credit, it was Melissa and Joan Rivers. Yeah, which, yeah. which is great. <laughs> they're oh, kill- I thought it was Diamond and Silk. Uh, they're killers. No, yeah. We Over the years, I've seen all these acts just pop up. What, Dude, you know what that just made me think of? At the improv, the improv in the 90s became this place where everyone's agent got hip that they would give you a TV deal if you were a stand-up comedian. Yeah. So all these actors just started coming oh, yeah. in and memorizing monologues. And there was a woman one time, and, you know, sorry if you... Whatever, but she was yeah. from the south, and she went on yeah. stage barefoot, and oh, then it boy. was all the hackiest jokes about women and husbands and periods and everything you've ever seen. But also this thing of like she's literally like a barefoot hillbilly, yeah, yeah. and I just remember standing on the side and just going like, I don't know why I'm here or how I fit into anything that's happening in this town. It doesn't make sense. It's not good. These people (laughs) love it. I fucking hate it. Like I must be in the wrong. Like that thing where you just kind of like, I feel like every time I do this set of comedy, I lost my vision of what the point of my career was supposed to be because I would see what was happening and I'd just be like, yeah, I don't do that. What am I going to do? What's going to happen now? But you forged ahead and you took off your shoes and you went up after her. 
(laughs) (laughs) There are people going on stage like there was a girl. This the old '80s version was there was a a woman who used to do her whole act wearing her bridal gown because it cost her so much money. Oh my god, I remember most use out of it. Remember that? Then there was a girl that used to go on stage carrying her purse and shopping bags and it was like this character of like i just love shopping and i just stopped shopping and shit like that where i'm like ladies could we get together and make some agreements of what we are and are not going to do on stage because this is then i get on stage and i'm just like did anyone see the high speed chase and they're like where's your gimmick we don't give a shit i saw a, a girl go on one time at the improv and she was kind of doing the ditzy blonde act or whatever. And she goes, ooh, I'm sorry. I just dropped something. And then she turns around and literally bends over so that her skirt comes up and you just see her thong in her <laughs> ass. And then it's nobody's laughing. They're all just like, ooh, yeah. And then she gets back up. And I was like, what was that? Wow. I can't really? compete with that. She kept going. I mean, that wasn't her closer? No, that was her opener. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So to get it. All right. All right. Oh, I get it now. Closer. <laughs> uh, so, but so I think the reason to, to defend LA, which I always do because I'm from here, you know, I, I just feel like LA is whatever people want it to be. Like, there's so many different things going on. Obviously, I remember seeing you at Largo, and that whole scene was the one that I was gravitated to because it was so, you know, incredible. But yeah, there was also when you went to like LA Cabaret on Ventura Boulevard, there was a whole different world of comedy going on there. And every now and then they they would intersect (laughs) and it was weird. But I feel like... Other places have a more cohesive, like when you go to the the Minneapolis Acme Comedy Club at the open mic night there, you'll see like 30 comics, but, and they're all fantastic, but they all have this, you're not going to see like somebody who's like, wow, that person looks like a complete, it's it's LA. So you get all these people from making it whatever LA they want it to be. Like even in New York, like when I'd go to New York and maybe it's only the ones, the shows that I went to, but there was a cohesiveness there too. Everybody was a certain level of... You know, it was always a little bit more fast paced, but there were always jokes and they were solid delivery and everything. But in right. LA, it was really in- eclectic in terms of the style that people were going for was all over the map. Yeah. At Largo, you guys both used to do Largo a lot, right? Which to me has always been. I didn't. I, I did right toward the end of, of the old location and I was so so proud yeah um, it seems like a place that always successfully combined music and comedy though there's not oh, a lot man. of places that pulled it off and you too are both people that also successfully combined music and comedy and i wonder mm. would you do you feel like if largo was was largo a big part of that for you at least karen um yes for sure like first dictating. of all i'd like to say the credit, full credit for, I mean, aside from Flanagan, who's the owner and he has great taste yeah. and whatever, and he was smart enough to go, we should be doing comedy here because he, you know, he's the one booking all the music, but he was smart enough to pull in Lisa Langang and Lisa Langang. When I started in San Francisco in 1990, she ran the improv in downtown San Francisco. Um, she was the manager of that club. Oh, wow. So she, 
knew all those people and then she got she got a when every there was like a mass exodus in like 94 everyone moved to LA and she did too she got a job at Comedy Central and she was so good at picking talent like she she um she saw Flight of the Concords and brought them over and had them perform at Largo oh, like wow. she's one of those people that had such good taste yeah um so anyway I think that she like that she set that table but she also knew that that the kind of quote unquote alternative style could get very much up its own ass and be like use the fact that it wasn't old school club style and then just you're there watching someone read a notebook and it's boring so she would book those shows like that's how I met Greg Fitzsimmons who is a classic club comic in every way who can do any kind of show he wants because yeah. he's so good. He's just such a natural. So that's, it or was Dana that kind Gould of thing where I started one, to yeah. learn. You don't have to get into this like box. You don't have to tell yourself you do it one way or the other because the point is stand on stage with confidence and say good jokes. That's all. Yeah. So like that became for me instead of this kind of like, you know, what I think the cafe thing did, which was make go, here's what I did today, whatever. Yeah. And instead you got competitive because you were like, well, I want to be at least as funny as the person right. who went on before me. Me personally, I was always like, I need to win the whole thing or whatever. So I just be like <laughs> out of my mind. But it was a good like, I think she pulled in all these people that kind of, for me, taught me what good comedy actually is, how it actually works. Yeah. And that's authenticity and confidence it's and like... So- Funny to me that it took halfway through my career to find out that confidence was a big part of being successful on stage. (laughs) I really, even my character on stage was someone that was pretending not to have confidence. So I would have to confidently do that when I was stammering and making mistakes. What an obstacle I made for myself. I don't know why I did the confidence. I still need to remind myself. They want to see you be confident, not just funny. It's like fledgling. Fledgling. Yeah. That's what I am. It's probably like a a very obvious example, but like if you're on a plane and the pilot, whatever personality they may have, the the one you don't want is for them to be like, uh, yeah, okay. Um, not really sure exactly <laughs> yeah. what a lot of this, I'm like the worst when it comes to flying. And it's like, no, I want you to be really good, you know, but I don't think that's such a crazy analogy because it's like in any situation, you want the person that is driving the whole thing to be good at what they yeah. do. Even if their act is being completely, you know, self-deprecating, that's a different thing. But, I guess I've right. always put a, a thin line between cockiness and confidence. And I always appreciated when people were good at what they do, but they let you find out about it. They didn't tell you they were good or put on some vibrato. You're just watching them. And they're like, wow, this is the best pilot I've ever seen fly a plane. <laughs> and he's right. hardly said anything except buckle your seatbelt. And, uh, and so I always wanted people to find out that I'm confident, but it you kind of got to put it on a little. You have to pretend a little a night. And I have to tell you guys, as a female comic, you have to do it even more. Because yeah. people, you walk on stage and people get afraid for you about what other people are going to start doing. Oh, I hate that. There's oh. a real weird vibe change if you're like, first, if oh, four God. comics go and then it's you. Hi, dude. Um, they get real like, you almost hear people start talking or whatever. And it's like a little bit like that. And if you, I found, and at least least this was my impression that if you don't immediately have like boom boom if you can't just go dude dude i made you laugh twice now we're doing this uh, yeah they if you if i took any time at the top 
I, it would unwind way quicker than if a guy was doing it because I because I believe there was a lot of people who would just be like, oh, no, she shouldn't be doing, you know, it's like protect her kind of mentality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I would come up and just be a fucking asshole most of the time or just be like, blah, 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 you this, get that off the table or whatever. And just be like, this is my house, even though it was completely fake. It was all this kind of fake confidence and aggression. Yeah. But it was the way to say, don't fucking worry about me. I will take care of this kind of thing. Yeah. It felt it felt very necessary. I'm, I'm glad that I've seen that changing for the better over the years. For sure. Uh, but it's about goddamn time. And we're going backwards in enough other ways. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, um, <laughs> but it, it's funny because these are, this is the, the old cliche of it's like, can you learn that in a class? Can somebody tell you on week one, always be confident. It's like, yeah, yeah you kind of have to learn it. You have to learn why you have to do it. You know, yeah. it's like, yes. Um, and yeah, what it means this. to you, because like the, how you would, if you watch Patrick Keen, you'd go, he's confident, but he also kind of seems like he doesn't care. Yeah. Like yeah. it all, it comes out in these different ways, yeah. which are funny in themselves. Cause that's what it's like. That's the authentic part is like, I don't care what you think of me, but then also here's a little right. of this other thing. That's you know? the yeah, line. It's like, uh, confidently pretending you don't care. That's the, that's yeah. the goal. <laughs> it's like, yeah, make no mistake for people out there that you can't just be confident. You, right. that's not enough. You right. also have to have a humor. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. Like, of course. Yeah. Of course. Because I've you seen have to have at least seven solid jokes. Yeah. We've all minimum. seen that, that person who's way too confident and yeah. they have nothing is like, Oh, come on. Oh, come yeah. on. You guys, so, look at this guy's looking at me like this, and yeah, it's just yeah. like you just didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like I just, can I tell you my favorite? And I know I've told the story on this podcast. No, okay. it. It's been eight years. We just found out. <laughs> this is my <laughs> this is my favorite moment of the confidence issue and the me interpreting that as like kind of like aggression or bitchiness, which is very nineties. I mean, that that's what everything was like back then, but there was this one night and I believe it was me being on stage after, um, Darren Carter party starter. And <laughs> you know, the, I'm three jokes in eating it, but I'm telling them I'm eating it. You know what I mean? Like there was no way I was going to get up there and interpret, interpret anything as success because he just leveled it. So yeah. anything was going to seem worse and bad compared to how great he did yeah um so i doing you know like whatever my first three jokes are and it's like fart 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 and then i hear a beep to my left you know how the, in the improv um you know people are kind of around you did you not just in front of you but on the by a pacemaker i'm guessing <laughs> i turn and i go oh i'm sorry are you a doctor is that your beeper do you have to go do you have to go deliver a baby and i just like went off on this guy and i literally said like seven sentences like i overdid it out of this kind of like i'm i'm eating it and i hate everyone and then he just held up his his wrist and went this is my watch oh <laughs> my god like, so great it was just I think I did one more joke and then left because I was just like, I'm not okay. Like, I can't stand oh, up here anymore. So this is great. fucking torture. And he didn't. He The worst part was he wasn't mean about it. Yeah, he was yeah. trying to be nicer. Oh. So like, uh, it's just my watch. It, I don't know what to tell I, you. <laughs> I can see myself getting taking it further. Well, why would you buy a watch like that? And why would you wear it? Oh, God, I'm dying. <laughs> I'm dying. That's like, I'm literally dying. When, when you say that they're not trying to be mean, that's almost the worst. Like, uh, there was a guy, Chuck Bartell. Do you know him? He, I remember he's that name. Extremely funny uh, one liner guy, like that Hedberg kind of style. And, uh, he was up one night, but he would, he was not immune to having bad sets. It was one of those things where like, if it started off wrong, then it all went wrong, you know? And, yes. 
but he was so funny. But I remember right in the middle of a bad late Friday show or whatever, he did a joke. And then he did just that little bit of uh, commenting on how bad the response was. Some, he said something like, you know, boy, maybe I'm not as good as this as I thought or something like that. And this lady in the audience is like, she sounded like she might have been 65 years old, but she's just like, well, it's hard. Like that. <laughs> you know, <it's> just like <laughs> and he's just like, all right, I want to kill myself. It's just oh, like, that's so great. The most logical. Well, it's hard. It was like, oh boy, you did not. Because there's like, it's completely sincere, you know? Oh my there's God. Like, nobody's trying to be mean. That is the best. I love that. <laughs> oh man, that was great. Well, Henry, you yeah. have a dinner to go to, and we've oh yeah, that's right. I want you to be able to get out of here and not um, but, disappoint uh, your friends and family. Sure, but um, is it five thirty? Yeah, I've been. Uh, yeah, thank you for. Any questions about Hollywood? Yeah, if I what, does, La Cienega, if What really direction does it go? Okay. I uh, just moved there. I, Should I get is, an apartment on West Hollywood? Yeah, yeah. Is that actually Should I Hollywood? go through a realtor or how much are parking tickets? <laughs> Will my dreams come true? I love the idea. People, it's like, do you have any questions about Hollywood? And they literally, they immediately assume that it's about the city itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> How is money allocated with parks and recreation? Does that come out of a municipal? Okay. Is the co- is there a comptroller for LA itself? <laughs> comptroller. No one comptroller. knows. But there's one in every city. <laughs> How long before, because we've become such a dystopian wasteland lately with just like if you go La Cienega and Pico and it's like everything's boarded up people are wearing masks there's just people walking around aimlessly and at what point is like that LA LA story kind of stereotype change to like if you're going to pitch something like well I want this to be sort of an LA stereotype and it's like oh really okay so just <laughs> Like red sky from the fire, and then just sort of like a <laughs> like, like they're picturing more of a Blade Runner thing yeah. or something. <laughs> like the the whole LA thing seems to be moving away from us right now. I hope it comes yes. back, but it's yeah, it'll come it's back. not like the rollerblading and the thong bikini kind of stereotype anymore right now. Although I did just yeah. take a masked uh, headshot, a new headshot with a mask on. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, time to mysterious. adjust to the times. Yeah. Smart. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah I yeah. am smart. <laughs> I am. Be confident. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna end this thing because it's been so great. I can only ruin so it from here. Or one of you guys. Thanks, Henry. <laughs> thank you so yeah, much, Karen. It's you. so funny. It's so great to to talk it to you because you've always been one of my favorites. Yeah. See, <laughs> thank that's you. Right. You too. Yeah, she's yes. good at this, right? Oh, absolutely. Podcasting thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's, there's a there's a thing. But also we've had so many parallel experiences. It's amazing when you're talking about all this stuff. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Same Ooh. deal. I really think Karen's going to make it. <laughs> um, Guys, thank you. And we're going to, let's go get something to eat. We're going to go. Uh, yeah. You've been, uh, right. watch uh, The Highwayman uh, on. I'm going to uh, do it right now. Patreon.com slash Highwayman Show. And you can see the teaser on there. And uh, there's a free episode on YouTube called Boots the Clown. Yes. <laughs> and I just watched it and I loved it so much. Uh, and you can see him also as my real life friend. Henry Phillips, you've been listening <laughs> to Do You Need a Ride? D-Y-N-A-R! A-R! <laughs> Yay. Nice. Yay. <laughs> are you leaving or are you on your way back home? Either